Hello fellow armchair refs and uh, welcome to a new episode. I'm Ben. And I'm Michael. And we are hosting you today. Take a seat and listen. How are you doing today then, Mike? I'm good. I'm good. Um, it's... I kind of really enjoy filming in the beginning of the week now. It just, yeah, it kind of fits in with our schedules a bit better. And just, we kind of get it out there earlier for the listeners. They got more days to listen to the pod, to share it with friends. Um, but yeah, it was a it was a packed weekend of sport. But actually, to be fair, up here in Inverness, it was trucking down all weekend. So that just meant we had to stay inside and watch the sport. You know, we couldn't wow. actually go play any spot ourselves, so it was a it was a big win. Yeah, I'm pretty jealous. I uh, I'm uh, obviously out here in France following <laughs> live, and uh, I just wish I was in <laughs> watching it in the rain. Oh, <laughs> uh, I think rain. actually, while you say that, I think I have to read the text that you sent me earlier today. Um, I asked Ben, you know, what he was doing with his day. And he just said, I'm chilling with cheese, a beer, and sunshine. No rush from me. <laughs> He's living his best life. Look, not everyone can do this. Like, I'm following it for you <laughs> listeners. Um, I'm here. And yeah, it's, it's, it's tough. It's tough. The podcast has been booming that you've been able to go to France and <laughs> take I'll time off our work. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, something like that, for sure. <laughs> yeah, but obviously you managed to you managed to go to two games this past weekend as well. I did, I did. Um, I had pretty different emotions at them. Uh, I've started off at the England Smur game, which um, I've actually never felt so tense. I was like, oh, we can't lose this because yeah, Smur were absolutely going off, unbelievable. Mm. Um, and England just weren't weren't firing. We kind of. Just didn't didn't look like they were switched on, so that was a bit nerve wracking. And then yeah. into day two, uh, Romania Tonga, which was actually a way better game than I imagined. Like both teams mm-hmm. went out to play. Uh, I thought Romania was going to get kind of slapped down like they had been in previous weeks, but yeah, they came they came firing, and and their fullback was by far one of the best players in the pitch. He was ridiculous. So shout out to him, even though he lost. Yeah, that's a is his name. Um... Simonescu or something something pronounced like that. Let's go. I'm, I'm pretty sure it's something like that. Yeah. Uh I know it was it was a really good result for them. But yeah, lucky you that's your that's your third game, isn't it? It is. I am very lucky. It's um yeah. The atmosphere is amazing though. Like the French are fully just taken to this World Cup, as we all hoped and thought they would, but they were kind of singing Ale Le Bleu, um, supporting mm-hmm. Samoa against England, as you know, any neutral should. I mean, it would actually be criminal if, if a neutral was supporting England. But mm-hmm. yeah, the, the vibes in the stadium were unbelievable. And yeah, you've got to hand it to them. They know how to enjoy themselves. Do you know what I've actually started to think, though? Like, you hear on the TV, you hear the Ale Le Bleu chants, but you also hear the French national anthem just like crop up, like, maybe once a half, like, you know, a good, like, yeah. 20, 25 minutes in. And, like, I wonder, like, is that not a bit obnoxious? Like, you're watching non-French teams play and you start blasting out. Could you imagine if English fans started to sing Swing Low, Sweet Chariot at a game where England weren't playing? 
Could you imagine the reaction? Hey, I, I'm going to start that. Um, <laughs> I think we should all do it. Any game of that, I'm just going to start singing it. And uh, we'll see how it goes. But, like, I just, I don't understand, like, is it, are they trying to just, um, you know, create an atmosphere, you know, again, show everybody else that it's being hosted in France? You know, is it, like, the French rugby team have sent little armies into like, mess with the psyche of every other every other team in the comp, you know, what do you think it is? Mike, I think they're just practicing. We all saw how the choirs did at the start. <laughs> they they realised as a nation, sitting in practice, especially the national anthem, we got to get it together. And uh, I'm, I'm expecting it to come out strong this weekend. Yeah, they're hoping they get, you know, they get signed up for the deal for the knockout anthems. Is that what it is? Yeah, that's it. It's it. Yeah, unreal. Right, so I think let's let's dive into the the games this week because we've got a lot to talk about and we'll stay true to what your request is because you want to talk about one game in particular to kick us off. Oh, mate, it is it is everyone's second favorite team versus everyone's third favorite team. It is absolutely iconic Fiji Portugal. Um and what a game it was. Like just the quality of rugby was ridiculous. Ridiculous, and and the fact that both teams just want to go out, play, enjoy themselves, yeah, it was unbelievable. And I think we kind of almost predicted this to be that good because I definitely remember in an earlier podcast how we were saying that Portugal play like Fiji. You know, they love mm. the free flowing type of game. They don't want to, you know, go through the phases and like ruck and ruck. They just they just want to play. And I'm so glad that these teams, you know, met in the final week. And yeah, for Portugal to get the victory is just absolutely insane. Like I, I, you know what? I, I must admit, I, I start very early on a Monday morning, so I had to go to bed at the mm. 60 minute mark. Um, no. So I, 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 I thought, you know, okay, it's a great game, but I had to do it for the sake of the week to start off my week right. Oh. So I didn't actually see the final 20 minutes, but I did. I was struggling to fall asleep. So I had a quick look at the score before I fell asleep and I saw that they had won. So I regret it. I regret it. I, I, that, is, I, that is absolutely sinful from me. What a game. I, like, absolutely, I don't even know what to, I would say. It was just so good. Like Portugal... Where did it come from? Like, I, d- I just don't know where it came from. The game was like attritionally brutal, skillful. Um, like, we all know they have the skill, but like to put it right at the end in the 80th minute to like nail that kick and that try in the corner. Mm. Oh, they must still be partying right now. They must yeah. still be going. I've actually I've seen some videos of the Portuguese captain and his wife being like on the shoulders of all the Portuguese fans and they are just going absolutely crazy because yeah they got their first win of rugby world cup history like it is truly yeah. inspirational it is it is and especially like you know some of the players retiring like uh Tadja the the that I've absolutely butchered that name but yeah no, that's right yeah yeah, yeah. Their, their hooker uh who he had an absolute stormer and that kicker he made that clearance kick is going to be doing the rounds for a while because that's it so good. Like form as well. It wasn't just like it was so artistic in the way what is like across his body. It was amazing. 
what a game to retire after as well. Like I know. first World Cup win ever. Oh, unreal. Yeah. No, it, I think it's really interesting, like on the Fijian side of things as well, because now, yes, they managed to secure that like last bonus point um, to allow them to qualify through to the the quarterfinals. But you know, that's you know they had an underwhelming performance against Georgia the week previously, and you know it seems like they maybe they just like miss you know they didn't evaluate the process very well because they thought, okay, they have Wales and Argentina as their first two games. Those are like the two biggest hurdles and rightly so. And then they kind of got over that. You're nearly beating Wales, beating Australia. They're like, oh, okay, maybe take the gas off the pedal and maybe they undermined, you know, how good Georgia and uh, Portugal were actually going to be. Yeah. Yeah. I, I also think both, Georgia and Portugal kind of grew into the tournament as well. Yeah. So it's almost a bit like a combination because like Georgia especially started off pretty poorly. Um, considering that like, the expectations were really high. Mm-hmm. But but they really kind of came into their own the last couple of weeks, the game against Wales, they were pretty strong, although the result doesn't kind of look it. Um and yeah, you just wonder if that yeah, as as those teams grew, Fiji kind of tailed off a little, whether that's because camps really long and they're away from their families and mm. it's it's kind of you know I, I don't know but as an England fan I'm kind of hoping they don't turn up again next week <laughs> yeah and they don't <laughs> they don't look that great for the quarterfinals uh, I, but now they do England so I think it'll be a pretty evenly matched um, I think also the last thing about Portugal is I, I think I was really surprised how they managed to front up in the set piece and with the forwards um, against Fiji, because, you know, that was like the one area that Fiji had was well, very proud that they had developed over the recent years. And it definitely, you know, came to show in their, their big games against Wales and Australia, but, you know, it wasn't, you know, it was, you can understand how um, Portugal could, you know, go through, through phases with offloads and have this free flowing style but that isn't possible if you don't have, you know, forwards winning the game line and winning those collisions across the park. So I thought if they and just they aren't as if you think about it, like Fiji have got so many star players that are playing in top end clubs throughout the world, and Portugal, who are basically a team full of amateurs, you know, those are guys that are all semi pros. And they can, you know, do what they did against that level of team is just absolutely incredible. No, I know, but hopefully some of these Portuguese players get into big contracts off that, like kind of like Nicolas Martin, like yes, in the kind of back row. Um, although he's a second round fantasy, so yeah. that's a big dub. Um, <laughs> but also, yeah, there are players that are kind of pro, so like Storty, who who's had an absolute cracking game, yeah, um, on the wing, but he he's kind of been hidden in in the depths of um, one of the French teams you know, just squad and hopefully he, he can go somewhere and, and play more because, yeah, you want to see him on the ball. Um, so, yeah, hopefully, you know, things are kind of going to look up for this team and, and more Portuguese players are going to play and, yeah, it will be even better. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I think, you know, what's really beautiful to think about is this Portuguese team had said that, you know, they watched Portugal in 2007 at the World Cup 
and how that then inspired them to then pick up rugby and look how where they've come. So it's just I really love the prospect of, you know, Portuguese, um, you know, people sitting at home on the couch watching their team compete as well as they've done at the World Cup and get a win over Fiji. I just hope that that continues to inspire the next generation and that Portuguese rugby just carries on growing. Yeah, at this rate, it's only like 16 years till they win it. Like something like that. I mean, <laughs> I'll take it. I'll take it. Hey, baby steps. Yeah. Baby steps. <laughs> um, but you you also mentioned it. So you were at the England Samoa game, and it was again yes. a really super close game. Give it give us your thoughts. Oh, but I, I wasn't thinking, I was just clenching for like <laughs> 60 minutes. <laughs> It started off like as an England fan, it started off like really well. So um we scored the try. It was literally right in front of us in the corner. Mm. Ollie Chesson breaking down the wing, majestic. Um and I was kind of thinking, oh, hello. Like we've turned up, we've we've not kicked it, and we're looking good. And then yeah. for the next kind of like 45 minutes, Samoa just like turned on and Lima Sopwanga, who we've, we've mentioned a few times before, but he's not actually been starting for him. Right. Was just pulling the strings at 10. And like, just, they were just, they were just doing so well. Like, they, yeah. Samoa, credit to him because what a great game they played. But yeah, I was just kind of clenching and, you know, hoping that England would hold in and come good at the end, which, yeah, luckily they did. Yeah. And I, I honestly thought that, uh Wang was going to start more in this competition than he did because I don't he don't maybe came off the bench maybe once I don't I don't think he was regularly featuring the 23 which I thought was crazy um I thought the way he controlled the game was absolutely incredible uh yeah and <clears throat> I think yeah England got off to a good start uh they yeah they kind of won the 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 small battles but I was just really glad that Samoa made it a bit more interesting. And I don't know what it is about this England team. Like, I'm glad that they're performing as the way they are. But just one week they look great. One week they look terrible. And you can't even fit in a guy that scored five tries in the previous match and you go with, you know, May and Marchant, who's a centre. Like, I just, I don't think I understand the the thought process behind your selections. Yeah, I don't really get it either. Um, I was a big fan of, of kind of Arundel, and like we've kind of mentioned him before, like five tries, you've got to give him another start. Like yeah. But yeah, I'm not, I'm not really sure. I'm just hoping we kind of come into this quarterfinal and realize that because it was kind of the first time these players had played together and that was maybe in his head what his first choice combination was. Mm. And like maybe it not working in practice means maybe one of the other revisions which has worked, give them a go. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think I'd just like to see an actual center at 12. I don't want to see Farrah at 12. I just don't think it works. I've okay. tried it so many times and I can't, loads of other teams tried it after the last world cup where the kind of 10, 12 axes of playmakers was talked about, but there's not really any other teams that still do it. Um, a few yeah. teams play like 10-15 like South Africa with um, like Willem Sir or LaRue at 15 yeah. 
New Zealand with Bowden Barrett at 15. So, you know, but no, but no one's doing the 10-12, so maybe it just doesn't work. Yeah, and it's something that's really interesting because obviously it was a, a tactic that Eddie Jones relied on. And, you know, it obviously didn't work for you guys in the World Cup final in 2019. And but it did have a lot of success. Oh, it did have a lot of success. It did. But you know, now you're under a new management and uh, new attacking coach, new head coach, but they've still fallen back on the same type of structure with the same players. So I don't know if it's it almost might be uh you know a curse that England's squad depth is so good, particularly in that number 10 shirt. Because maybe they're like, oh, they don't want to just pull the trigger and say, look, we need to have Farrell at 10 because they don't want to leave, leave him out as a captain. But then like, but George Ford is also on form right now. And and then you've also got Marcus Smith. It's like, you know, is he this new number 15 that kind of plays for you guys? So, yeah, I just feel like, I don't know. It's, it is really interesting. And... Yeah, it's. I I hope that you continue to have these issues because it'll be really, it'll be really joyous occasion when you get knocked out in the quarterfinals. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We've heard it all before, like we've heard <laughs> it all before. To be fair, um, talking of kind of teams that are going to win in the quarterfinals, France, France is pretty good, pretty dominant display. Um, absolutely thrashed this week. <laughs> It's okay, we'll gloss over what you just said. Yeah, they, they absolutely hammered Italy though, didn't they? Yeah, and I've been I've been really disappointed with Italy, to be fair. I think this tournament, like especially against New Zealand and France, they just never really looked like firing a shot, which mm. they've been building so well. And yeah, they've just done a Scotland. It's shocking. <laughs> if you were Scottish, I wouldn't st- I wouldn't stand for that. Um, the thing is, I don't understand what it is about this Italian side as well because they they don't. I, we said this last week when they got absolutely smashed by New Zealand. They don't get beat this poorly in the Six Nations. So why is it that they're getting beat that poorly now? And you've kind of got to think. You know, this is this was deemed to be like the most promising era of Italian rugby, and. You know, they've got so much young, great talent, but they just can't seem to take that extra step. And I mean, to be honest, you did say it, but, you know, it's the same with Scotland. They just, they have this abundance of great players across the park, but you you put them in the big moments and they just, they don't seem to regularly win. And I mean, like there was even like Michael Lamaro, their captain, got taken off at like the 43rd minute. And I was like, yeah. that is... So I don't know whether it's something up in the coach's box and it's just, you know, because, um, uh, what's his name? Uh, they're just, oh, he's leaving off the World Cup as well. He's, not a, he's left and now it's... Yeah, Kieran Crowley. Kieran Crowley. Yeah, so maybe it's Kieran thinking that, you know, he's on the way out. Is there a bit of spite there, but... I wouldn't like to think that there's that type of bad blood, particularly at a World Cup. But yeah, they were just disappointing. Yeah, if there is that bad blood, it might explain it though. Do you know what I mean? 
because they just they just haven't done what we thought they would. Um, and it's a shame. Like I, we didn't, none of us expected them to go through, but we thought they'd at least kind of scare someone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, but yeah, I agree. I think I think anybody in that group was going to struggle. Mm. Um, I thought Italy were going to put up a good fight, but yeah, it's um, yeah, it, it wasn't meant to be. But on the on the side of France, they did look good. They looked very coherent. Um, yeah, they were. I mean, Damien Pinot acting as a fly off, putting like cross field kicks in for tries. It's just what what can't this franchise do? I know, I know, and I don't think we're going to find out until the final. To be honest, I think they're looking <laughs> very strong. Um, yeah. So just just so I'll just put you on record now. So if you think France is going through to the final, that means they're beating England in the semi final. Yeah, no, I, overst- I overshot that. Didn't I? <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, but you saying they're in the semi-finals, so I'll no, absolutely not. No, no, no. I yeah. just said no such thing. But Mike, we have just mentioned them uh, jokingly, but Scotland, Scotland played Ireland, and um, it did look a bit of a one-sided affair. What, what are your thoughts? Oh man, I was, I was seriously hoping for a better game. Well. Sorry, I'll take that back. I was hoping for a better Scottish performance. And there was there was good hype around the game. It was it was it was an, almost like another replica of Ireland and South Africa. Like everyone was anticipating it, you know, because there was potential of South Africa going out, Ireland going out, Scotland going through. It was all to play for. Um and but I, I must say the the feeling that I got from the Scots that I'd spoke to, whether that be, you know, my girlfriend or my housemate, just the closer we kind of got to kick off, the hope started to get smaller and smaller. <sighs> and I think they almost felt the inevitable coming. And I, I did say throughout the week, yeah, the key for Scotland was just to not let Ireland score within the first five, 10 minutes. If they can hold them out... Then I, I actually believe that they could do it. I did not. And then what do Ireland go and do? <laughs> they go score within sixty seconds, and I was just like, for goodness' sakes. <laughs> um, but I'm actually really glad we we got onto this game because I have a I have some thoughts about it. So Ireland were absolutely impeccable. Like they, that was like one of the most well drilled clinical performances I've seen in a long time. Mm. I, it, you know, it is very different to. Um, the Ireland South Africa game, yeah, because South Africa's defense just didn't allow their attack to be as fluid, and it was a lot more, you know, to and fro, and it was just it was a lot closer game. But there, there's like two things that I think uh, Ireland do very well. The first thing that I noticed is, and what frustrates me about it is a very good tactic. They're, the reason why they're so good at the breakdown and, you know, why they win so lot of it is that the tackling player, um, you know, obviously he's supposed to roll out of the way so that, you know, he you know allows the rock to be competed for. Yeah. But he he doesn't roll away, like he doesn't roll into the tackler. So it's not that obvious. He kind of rolls away or like just slightly to the side but they don't move off the floor 
So that actually means that the people like Scotland players coming into ruck over then have to like trip up over them and then it slows them down just by literally like half a second, which then it just allows their players to get over the ball and either slow it down tremendously or allow them to get the turnover. But they just, you see them, they just, they almost like, if you imagine like tackling someone's legs, they'll just stay holding onto the legs mm. and they just won't move as such, but they don't need to because they're not directly in the way of the ball. I know it doesn't really make sense, but if you yeah. do you understand what I yeah. kind of mean? You're saying they're like just on the line of cheating. Is that what you're saying? It's like... I'm, always, that's exactly what I'm like saying. If they're playing your team, they're cheats. Like, we have none of it. Absolutely. Yeah, 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 Absolutely. But if you think if you're an Irish fan, then you, it's a stroke of genius. Yeah, exactly. You know what I mean? <laughs> but it's, it is that line that like the All Blacks for so long always used to walk. Mm. Like particularly like Richie Richie McCall. McCall. He was... Always offside. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Um, but it's great because it happened against... It happened against... Um, South Africa as well. Mm. And I thought the other thing that was going back to the island scoring in that first minute. So the, I don't know how the Sexton loop works after about 20 oh years of existence. It's ridiculous. I, mean, I was actually saying this to my dad. I was like, how is he still getting away with this and like not getting smashed every time? I, yeah, I, I, I really don't know. But what was, what I think, you know, might have gone unnoticed is so they went like around the back each time, but Ty Burton was running the the crash ball route that the, he was obviously running that decoy. And then what he did, he actually like bumped shoulders just slightly with George Turner. Mm. And then George Turner like fell to his knees and then got up quickly. But then that was the 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 gap that Gary Ringrose then burst through. I think it was Gary Ringers, or it might have been Bundyaki. But, you know, it was just like, it wasn't like a super obstruction because it was like the faintest of touches. But Tyburn knows exactly what he's doing, you know, running that line. Yeah. So if you go watch that play back, you'll see him bump George Turner just slightly. And it's just how it happens. Yeah. Do you know what? Stuff like this, when you, I think you watch for it when, when it's like number one team in the world. Like, I think that's why. Richie McCoy used to get so much stick because like everyone's mm. looking and you're like under a microscope at the top team and you're like, what are they doing that makes them so good all the time? And I reckon mm-hmm. some of these stuff we're picking up with Ireland, like loads of teams doing it. Oh, sure. But, For sure. But because Ireland yeah. are number one in the world and and because the Scots are a little bit a little bit butter. Um mm. <laughs> I'm sorry, Scotland fans. But you are, you know it. I know it. <laughs> I would be as well. Um, yeah, they they just um, you just look for this stuff. So I don't know. I I, I think like there is definitely that grey line where people go over, but I think a lot more people go over it than than we give credit for. Oh yeah, no, don't get me wrong. It's it's a very good point. I'm not saying you know that's like the reason like Ireland cheated their way to victory or anything, mm. but they definitely deserved to win that game. Um, but so that's a lot about Ireland. What what were your thoughts about Scotland's unfortunate performance? I'm just, I don't even know where to start. I think I think it was always a tough ask because the types of team they're playing, like South Africa and Ireland, are what they typically struggle against, like that power game. Um, 
I was a bit surprised in some of their selections, actually, like no Hamish Watson, um, yeah. you know, to, to deal with that, not even on the bench, um, you know, and, and yeah, the, I, I don't even know. I think I was just a bit disappointed in Scotland. I and mean, that's the only way I can say it. They, they just didn't, just didn't really yeah, fire a shot apart from those two tries in quick succession, which, which just gave hope to all the fans, which is just cruel. Mm. I know. Uh, I was when we were watching it in the pub. They scored the two tries, and I just thought to myself, "Okay, hang on. Can South Africa get knocked out? Like, what would have to happen for South Africa to get knocked out now?" Um, you know what? I think it's always a tale of two stories because our, Ireland's defense was just monstrous. But Scotland's attack also was just so predictable and just so plain. Mm. It was just, you know, they they had the decoy runners running the, you know, the crash ball, and then they would just go out the back all the time. And then they'd go to one side and they wouldn't make any dominant, um, you know, any dominant carries. And then they go back to the other side and the same thing. And then either then Ireland would get a turnover or Scotland would, you know, have an unforced error. And I oh, was just for I think this is where, besides against England, Finn Russell goes missing in the big games. Like where he's, you know, supposedly this mastermind of the attack. He's one of the best fly halves in the world, but he didn't do anything in that game. And again, he didn't do anything against South Africa either. Yeah, I think saying the big games is a bit harsh. He's had like in the Six Nations and stuff, like he's not had a good tournament. I'm not going to defend him, but. Like in the Six Nations, it's not just against England that he has big games. I just yeah, I think it's this tournament he's he's not showing up and the Finn Russell that everyone talks about, which is which is a shame because he is absolute class. But but like I don't think that matters because you don't. I don't care if Scotland win the Six Nations. Surely they'd rather win the World Cup. Like mm. the World Cup is the biggest stage. It is the biggest games of, you know, people's careers. I don't care how he performs for a club or how he performs against, you know, Italy, you know, on the 3rd of March every year. Like, it should it should be, you know, he should be able to play as he does in the big moments every four years, but he hasn't. How do you feel about Manny Buck? <laughs> yeah, this is his first like We're all good. <laughs> uh, I don't know. I think he's getting a lot of stick. I think... There was not really a lot of go forward from the forwards. So, like, for a 10 not playing behind a dominant pack, it's always a bit more difficult. Um, I think he was just kind of... I think people were expecting him to, like, pluck a rabbit out of a hat every time. But, mm. but yeah, especially against these, like, dominant defences. I don't know. I don't really know. I think the whole team must accept as much responsibility. Uh, I think we also got to mention, you know, uh, Scotland were pretty unfortunate as well because they had Blair Kinghorn go off with a HIA, oh. which was unfortunate. They had Jamie Ritchie go down with a an apparent shoulder yeah, injury as well. Worse. And I, th- I feel like uh, George Horn came on pretty early. You know, just things to throw them, you know, awry. It was just, it wasn't, it just wasn't meant to be their day. Mm. It really wasn't. Uh, I apologise for the Scotland slander, but I feel like it has to be said. And I'm glad I'm about to say this point because the player that I'm going to put on fraud watch this week from this game is 
none other than Duan van der Merwe. Oh. Because I'm so... Everybody keeps talking about how great of a winger he is. He had about three touches that game. He had three touches against South Africa and he just doesn't do anything. I'm, I, Joe, I'm really with you here. I actually think this guy is pretty overrated. Um, I think when these get kicked loose ball and he's running like in broken field, absolutely devastating. Like that is when yeah. he shines, but he's not going to, yeah, you're not going to like pop the ball down the wing and he's going to like do some magic on the end or like rarely. Mm-hmm. Uh, and he doesn't come in field and get involved either. So mm-hmm. yeah, I, I've all, I've really struggled with the whole, like one of the best winger in the world thing. It's, yeah, I, I don't get it. And I understand his his strike rate in terms of tries scored in the games he's had recently is exceptional. Mm. Don't get me wrong. His ability to score tries is second to none. But there is so much more now to a modern winger than just scoring tries. And like even you just look at him in defence, he's just not that good, in my opinion anyway. I mean, if I was to tackle him or if I was to tackle, you know, some of the wingers, I would be worse than him. I understand that. But yeah, I just think that I think we just need to tone down the excitement for him. Yeah. I really do. Yeah, because he's not a bad player. He's just not as good as what people are saying. Yeah, yeah. exactly. I think that's a, a very fair statement. That's that was a good way to wrap that up. But you know who is as good as anyone? Pierre Showman in the WWE. Oh my, how good was that? <laughs> I thought that was, it was honestly such a, a mockery of like world rugby because there Ollie Smith attempts to trip up Johnny Sexton and gets a yellow card for it. And here's Schumann throwing Dan Sheehan off the top rope <laughs> over a board and he doesn't even get any punishment. Nah, I'm, I'm with this, I'm with this. Tripping, that is that is just not like, that's just like it's a coward's way out, isn't it? If you're gonna trip someone up and uh, you know, wrestling with them, you're both in it, you're both involved, the winner wins. Tripping someone up, that's that's pathetic. Yeah, true. I, I understand. I understand. I just thought again, Sexton made a bigger deal out of it as it was, but yeah, it's it's also I understand. Anyway, that's not the point. Schumann won that battle against Sheen because I was absolutely brilliant to see. Yeah, how good, how good. And um, yeah, well, Sheen's going to be hitting the gym. He's going to be ready next time. Six Nations, he's coming for revenge. <laughs> yeah, no, very true. Um, I think the, the last game that we should probably talk about is uh, Japan-Argentina. Yeah, big game. Sign who went through Paul D. Yeah, huge. What were your thoughts? What do you think? I thought it was a cracking game. Um, yeah, both teams in the first half were looking really exciting. It was really even one point in it at half time, um, 17 16. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I had this sneaky feeling that Japan were going to do it. You know, I was really hoping because yeah. I actually just love how fast they play like, balls on the floor, balls gone. Like, is really good and they're so well drilled and they've been such a good story from the last two world cups like people like you want to like them but um it wasn't to be argentina who haven't showed up this tournament did show up in this game and yeah, yeah. they they at 80 minutes like 
they definitely dominated and deserved to win. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think we we have to give credit to um, Carreras scoring a hat-trick. Like, that, yeah, it's just so impressive. And he was just so electric. I mean, he was just stepping people for for fun. And, yeah, just such a, a little pocket rocket is how I describe him. You know, quite a small guy, but as strong as an ox. Oh, he's unreal. Like, so my dad's a a Newcastle fan. So I've watched a few games and Adam Radwine, everyone talks about how fast that guy is mm -hmm. I'm watching the game. And I was like, your other wing is pretty good. <laughs> and yeah, not too bad, he yeah. lights up for Newcastle as well. So, you know, un unreal how good he is. I think this, that was the type of performance. It was what was really good about this game. Like at halftime, it was 15, 14 to Argentina. So it was neck and neck. And they were almost just trading blows for the rest of the second half. Mm -hmm. Argentina would score. Japan would score back. Argentina, and, you know, it'd go, you know, uh, back and forth. And then just towards the end, Argentina's experience just kind of prevailed and they were able to just, you know, pull away from it, essentially. Um, but for a game of such magnitude as it was for those two players, uh, sorry, those two teams, phenomenal, phenomenal game. Yeah, yeah, especially as, like, when the pressure gets up, sometimes it can be a bit of a rubbish game. Like you think about World Cup finals years gone by, like when, when teams have to win, it normally stuff goes wrong, it's a little bit boring. Um yeah. but like it becomes just such an arm wrestle. But but yeah, this game was electric. I loved it. You want to talk about Fakatava's try? Oh <laughs> what a try. Surely it's up there for one of the tries of the tournament. Um for a second row. Chip and chase. This weekend is all about this is just all about forwards and kicking. Mate, this weekend, it's the weekend of the forwards. That's what it is. Ridiculous. Sure. Um yeah, that what well, chip and chase, unreal. He, he should not be able to move that quickly with such skills for such a big man. Nah, it should be that's what Dwan Van der Merva should be like. <laughs> Actually <laughs> is. Oh, <laughs> uh, Oh my goodness. Yeah. Uh, I just, I actually, actually, this is a really good point. If you had to make an early call, so how about try of the pool stages? Can you think of anything on top of your head? Oh, oh, that's tough. I think it, do you know what? I think it probably is, is either that try, Fakatava's try, or one of the, one of the, tries in the Fiji Portugal game because those were all pretty good. Um yeah. Yeah, I think that's where I'm going at the minute. How about you sir? Oh, it's tough. There's actually been so many games. I'm trying to remember like all the tries that we've seen. I know. Uh so I apologize for springing that on you. We haven't prepared for that. <laughs> um I don't know. I think you could you could definitely like look at uh oh, even oh what about Damien McKenzie's one hand pass inwards um in the New Zealand Uruguay game this week as well. Yeah. I, I was all, I was almost thinking another of um you know Will Jordan's try line finish where he jumps up in the air, puts it down. Um man, I don't know. Or maybe even in the Samoa game with the crossfield kick drawing it down just before he went out. Yeah, that was also incredible. Really oh. Yeah, I, I just, we've been blessed. 
we've really been split with the amount of good tries we've seen. I know. And yeah, check out the highlights on Twitter. Oh. <laughs> <Or don't. laughs> I actually wonder. I think I saw Jared Wright. He's like a he's a, a South African. He runs a rugby bits po- uh, podcast, and he put up a video of uh, the Portugal scoring their try, oh. but with Portuguese commentary. And I wonder if it got taken down yet because I hope it didn't Honoring. because it deserves to be out there. But the best part about that try, I know we're going way back to it was the coaching box. They are losing their mind. One of their coaches played in like the 2007 World Cup that we kind of talked about. And one of them's got a mm. hat on and he just launches it at the table and you just watch the hat bounce. Like, you're like, wow, this guy is so gassed. It was just unreal. Yeah, I, it's just... The, those, those moments are what those teams kind of live for. And I actually think it should be... When I spoke to one of the receptionists, oh, you know what? The video is still up, so good for them. Hopefully it stays up. Um, These games, I think, have... You know, we've we've seen how the top-tier teams have gone really close. So France, New Zealand, great game. Ireland, South Africa, great game. Um... I can't really think of any like top tier teams that have gone head to head. But what I kind of mean is, so you know, the top teams have come really close, and then also the bottom teams have come really close. So you think about like the Namibia Uruguay games, the mm. Tonga Romania games, the Fiji versus Portugal, and Georgia versus Portugal, and you know what I mean. These the so I like at the top of the pools and the bottom of the pools are really good games, but there's just a massive gap between the tier twos and the tier ones. And that's where you get these massive blowouts and people calling for the rugby's dead. You know, the World Cup needs to be changed. And I just feel like we need to have something within the four years to make all the games competitive, you know, and just have an infrastructure to have regular competition to make this an even better pinnacle of the sport. Yeah. And do you know what? I've actually been thinking about this. Um, like, you know how in football you've got the Euros? Mate, imagine mm-hmm. having the Euros for rugby and, like, equivalent, obviously, elsewhere, but, like, the year before the World Cup. Yeah. Like, give all these, like, smaller nations who who don't play Tier 1s as often have, like, a competition and, and replace maybe the, like, summer tour and autumn tour that year, have, like, a group stage mm-hmm. and knockouts. Like, you know what I mean? You could You could definitely do it. Um, yeah, and and you know have have stuff like that worldwide, and it just be good to watch. It really it, it would be it would be, and now you've kind of got the opportunity where you've got multiple nations within Europe that could host it, or well, you could even have multiple nations sharing the competition at once, like Portugal and Spain, for example. Um, yeah, I I think. It'd be a good idea. I wonder how it would fit in with the world calendar, but I like the premise. Mm, it's a good idea. I think that is the problem, the world calendar. I mean, you could even do it Lions, you know what I mean? Um, yeah. yeah. I think I agree. I think there's... That's why, you know, football is so good that it carries on ticking over with these huge events. So you've got you know, you've got Olympics every four years, you've got the World Cup every four years, and obviously they're on different years, 
And then you've also got Euros every two years. Mm. Uh, sorry, every four years, but they're in the middle between every World Cup. So there's always something to look forward to. And uh, yeah, I, I agree. I think it should be send them a letter. That's what I'll do. You know, you write, I'll write a strongly worded email. <laughs> Absolutely. I'll co sign it. I will. I know. <laughs> but um, yeah, it's true. It's because these teams do need more. Uh, like experience of the big teams because that's how they're going to get better um, and hopefully that can be provided in some way maybe even if it's kind of in your autumn series um, teams are required to play a tier two nation um, as mm-hmm. one of their games or or like on your summer series you can also go to a tier two nation on the way to your um, to wherever you're touring it's Mm. Yeah, it it would be great to see, to be honest. Yeah, I agree, and hopefully, you know, there's talk of this world league, um, for rugby, but hopefully they come to the senses because obviously a similar proposal was given to football, and you know, to get rid of the Champions League, and they were going to have like you know the top eight clubs in Europe, uh, you know, just play against each other and exclude everybody else. And it was kind of like the, the wealthier clubs going head to head. So hopefully rugby, World Rugby comes to its senses and doesn't allow that because everybody loves the the Portugals of the sport. And, you know, this was Fiji for, you know, eight years ago. And look how the bounds that Fiji have come on since then. So it's obviously proven that if you give them opportunities, then they will actually get better. Yeah, that's it. So I think if we are talking about kind of world rugby, um, you know, all the teams, how it goes, World Cup, I think the draw is something that we have to mention because some teams are happier than others with with how this World Cup's been drawn. What's your view, Mike? Somebody was going to get shafted, let's be honest. Mm. Somebody, like, just the way it happened, it somebody was always going to be in a tough group with two other really strong tier one teams and it just so happened that it was Scotland this time around um, you think back to 2019 and 2015 where you had England Australia and Wales all in the same group so it, yeah it, it's, it happens every every time and the thing is you would have had it's just unfortunate that now you've got obviously the top four teams that I do believe are, you know, quite far ahead in terms of the rugby being played compared to fifth through eighth, for example. There are obviously two of those teams are going to go behind. Uh, sorry, are going to get knocked out mm. this weekend. But that's, that's just sport and that's just how it happens. And even if you bring the, the draw, let's say a year later than it was done this past year, you know, that's still two years before the World Cup's actually played. Teams can get injuries. They can be coaching changes. You know, they can get teams can get better. Teams can get worse. It just, it just you've got to just win it at the end of the day. Yeah, I'm I'm fully with you because I know a lot of people complaining, especially like the big four who are all going into court finals together. So you know, you France, mm-hmm. Ireland, New Zealand, South Africa. But if if they were all in separate pools and it had all been done kind of as tournament started on top four, they'd all be playing each other yeah. in the semi-finals if they expect to beat the other teams anyway. 
Like, yeah. realistically, they're all going to be playing each other. I, I, I think it is like earlier than they want to, but realistically, it's just how it works. Like, if they are the best teams, they'll come through. Um, I do feel bad for Scotland. I am going to say it because mm. you know to be fifth in the world and put in put in a group with the two, uh, two of the top two teams. But at the end of the day, like even even if we go to like last November, they were kind of fluctuating between sixth and ninth in the world rankings. Yeah. And if you're ninth, you're in that third slot anyway. So it's not like in the last two years they've consistently been up the top. Like even like last year, they were down in that ninth spot at one point. So. Mm-hmm. You know, you you kind of make your own luck because it, it is drawn based on performances. It's just maybe it is a little bit too soon. Um, mm. Yeah, I agree. But the thing is, like Pool C, for example, has been one of the most electrifying pools of rugby World Cup history. Yeah, it's been so, so good. I don't see why. Like Pool D has been hasn't been as exciting. I get that, but you've had Samoa ran England all the way close to the final whistle. Japan, Argentina went down to the final weekend to see who's going to secure that final slot. Like, it's just, I don't know what more people kind of wanted. I guess they were kind of hoping that they just kind of jumped on this trend of, you know, the top four are going to go out in the quarterfinals, but they've not appreciated the great rugby that we've actually seen. Yeah, I'm I'm fully with you. I was going to say, like, the... Pool C and D have been ridiculously competitive, um, yeah, and cracking to watch. And maybe that is because the top teams in that pool are closer to the, you know, kind of fourth place. Yeah, and you know it's been exciting. So yeah, it's it's just been good to watch. I don't I don't really I don't really have any problems with it. I mean, England gone through, so. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, no, you're right. So I think it'd be it'd be really uh, good to just review like what we said in our World Cup mini series, and see how if we're worth our salt and if what we predicted actually came true. Yeah, hint: we are not worth much salt. <laughs> <laughs> Pepper all the way, baby. Yeah, well, you can still listen to our expert analysis, please. <laughs> <laughs> Um, right, so if we start off with Pool A, um, we we predicted this one, both of us predicted France and New Zealand to go through, Italy to come third, and then Namibia and Uruguay um, mm-hmm. come last. And But you predicted France to beat New Zealand, and I obviously backed New Zealand on that opening night. Yeah, and to be honest, that was a pretty 50-50 game, like... Um, and we also predicted it before South Africa battered New Zealand. So yes. you know, I'll give you, I'll give you some, uh, I'll give you some, <laughs> some credit there, Mike. It, it could have gone either way, um, but yeah, I was right, so I'll take it. Yeah, all right, we'll give you, we'll give you the one up in that. But also, we have to give credit to Uruguay because we didn't think we we thought Namibia this was going to be their year where they get their yeah. win. We gassed them up and underestimated Uruguay because they were so good. Even even this week when they got nilled, like I think it was 67-0 to New Zealand. Mm. Uh, oh, no, 73-0. Yeah. Like, oh, the, the first half, Uruguay, unbelievable. 
Like they got a disallowed try in the corner. Mm -hmm. Like they just came out and played. So it was great to see him. Yeah, and it's just I think to kind of having a better gauge of them before the World Cup would have been really tough for us. Because obviously tier two rugby isn't well advertised. We've got to really go search for it. So we kind of just went for what we know. So but I'm glad that they proved us wrong because that game against Namibia, they definitely outplayed them. So deservedly got that fourth spot. Yeah, definitely. Uh, I guess, yeah, moving on to Pool B, we we think we both went exactly the same on this one. We did. Um, I did predict Scotland to beat South Africa and then lose to Tonga, which none of that happened. But, <laughs> <laughs> but I got the order of the uh, pool right, so I'll take it. Yeah, I mean, I did call it that I thought I knew that Pollard was going to come back at some point. I just, I had a feeling. Mm. Uh, I don't know if I predicted Am, but uh, I'll take the one, the, you know, the one thing getting right, Pollard being back. I think we all, we all kind of just hoped that Scotland would do something great. And we thought that they had it in them and they had their performances, uh, their performances, particularly against France in the summer, uh, you know, they they had the hype deservedly. So just mm. uh, a bit unfortunate. I know, I know. But we did say it was be a nutritional pool, I think both of us, because the way, you know, most of those teams play. And yeah, I think it kind of showed with some of those injuries. Like, you think of like Namibia captain, you think of a few of the South African players who gone home. Yeah, it, it was a brutal pool. Yeah, I actually... Uh, Felix Jones, one of our coaching staff for the Springboks, he was saying that he has never seen so many like cuts and bruises and like little injuries after their South Africa Tonga game. Like there was nothing, mm. you know, major injuries, but it was just the boys were battered, absolutely battered. Yeah. I know, I know, and obviously, you know, Scotland had a fair few injuries as well. Ireland have escaped pretty unscathed, to be honest. Yeah, well, I mean, they've obviously got. Their, their string of injuries came now because obviously James Lowe got the finger in his eye during the game against True. Scotland. You had Mac Hansen went off for HIA, came on, then he felt his calf was a bit, mm, so came off. And now yeah. James Ryan, whose wrist was questionable beforehand, has now gotten worse. So he might be a bit touch and go. Um, and then you've also got Robbie Henshaw, his hamstring. So it's probably not like... I think their injuries have not been to their like top dogs. So yeah. but I feel like, you know, that squad rotation, you know, might not True. be as great coming into, into the knockouts now. True. They were also, most of them are touch and go, whereas I think South Africa, Scotland have both had to send a fair amount of players or get a few players in, you know what mm. I mean, throughout. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, yeah, obviously we hate to see injuries, but it, you know, it's, it just shows how, the collisions and, and just how hard all these guys are playing. Yeah, I agree. And so the other thing we kind of mentioned was player of the pools. So you had mm. Mac Hansen and Charles Pietau being your two guys. Uh, yeah. How do you feel about those? Yeah, I mean, I don't think either of them played bad, but I don't think either of them were player of the pool either. Um, I think kind of Mac Hansen probably got a bit unlucky because he didn't start against Romania, which so... You know, mm. a few points he might have got, but um, yeah. And Piatau, he looked very, very good in the game against Romania, but yeah, Tonga didn't shine against the big teams either. So, because mm -hmm. mm. because you were a um, 
you did a bit better than me here. You, you picked Darcy Graham and uh, and also Manny Labarc. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, I mean, Darcy Graham, he had a great uh, pool, I think. He particularly shone against uh, Romania and Tonga. Um, mm. And then I think, yeah, it, uh, he, he had good moments in the big games, but I think it was also really tough for him. He's had a season that's been riddled with injuries. So I think just for him to kind of find that form again, uh, he did as much as he could, if we're being honest. Um, so I'm I'm happy with that pick. Manny is kind of... No, take that. Take away his kicking. Yeah, that's that's good. the thing. I think besides the kicking of the tee, I, I still think he's phenomenal. Like, I just think the way that he's transformed our attack is is just tremendous and kicking from hand kicking infield ah, yeah um i'm happy with my player the balls yeah i mean Leboc, maybe you should just like let him kick the goal pinata start like put a blindfold on him tell him general direction and let him go it, it probably will be better than how he's kicking right now so <laughs> Yeah, I think we both kind of mentioned that Pool C was this pool of death just because of how close all of the teams were. Yeah. Um, we, we both gassed up Australia a little bit. Um, you kind of said they were going to win the pool and then also said that Eddie was gonna, might get sacked. So I think it just shows that we had no idea what they were going to do. <laughs> it's um, literally like the opposite end of the spectrum. <laughs> I was just covering all my faces. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I liked it. I liked it. Um but yet neither of us predicted Wales getting through and they've really been a surprise this tournament because they've kind of come come pretty pretty good. Yeah, I mean, I didn't back them. I really didn't. I thought the turmoil they've been through, I just thought Australia and Fiji were looking better before the World Cup, but uh, I'm glad to be proven wrong. They they looked very good. Um, they looked very good against these teams. So I'm, I'm excited to see how they'll fare I know they've got probably a more favourable quarterfinal, but then come semi-final, maybe final, how do they look against those big teams? But yeah, credit where credit's due for Wales and uh, Warren Gatland to get out of the groups. Mm-hmm. I, I agree. They, it'll be interesting. I I think we'll talk about the quarterfinal later, but yeah, I think they've, they've got an easier ride than than some other teams for sure. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um but I mean, if we, if someone's done better than expected, there are a few people that have done worse than expected. And I think, well, in fact, better than expected, Portugal. How yep. good. We both predicted them bottom and they got their first ever win and draw. So ridiculous tournament from them. Yeah, I think we we none of us had picked any Portuguese players for player of the pool, but I say we scrapped player of the pool because it is just the whole Portugal team. Like they have, they have won our hearts absolutely. I know, I know, but yeah, obviously that means that we were let down by Georgia and Australia because neither of them really did anything we we're expecting. Yeah, I think obviously the big ones there is Australia. I think you know this is the first time they've ever been knocked out in the group stages. Ah, you just. And obviously there was talks of whether Eddie Jones was getting the job interview for Japan, like just before the World Cup. Where was his commitment? Ah, yeah, I think it was always a it was a massive gamble from Rugby Australia. Um, 
but you can understand, you know, Eddie's record at uh, the World Cup has been pretty good up until now. And yeah, let's see, let's see how they rebuild. Uh, we, so last pool to kind of quickly review before we move on. We kind of thought that both Argentina and England were going to go through. Mm. And I mean, Argentina just got through by the skin of their teeth, to be honest. And we also both predicted Samoa would get that third spot. But Japan definitely surprised us and managed to secure their qualification. Yeah, they did. And and we did kind of mention that they played Samoa earlier in the year and there's only one point in it. So we probably just were a bit harsh on it. Uh, but yeah, Japan were, were very good and very enjoyable to watch. But yeah, as as I predicted, England would easily win the pool and uh, top three uh-huh. four wins out of four. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> sure, whatever, whatever. Uh, it was um, definitely not easy for sure. Yeah, I think after uh, after I saw that Argentinian performance against England that opening weekend, I just. Yeah, it was all my predictions were kind of going off since then. I thought Argentina were going to be way more dominant than they actually were. Um, but yeah, hats off for England for playing scrappy rugby and coming top. Yes, uh, to be honest, it's all about the W. That's just that's what I'm going to keep saying until we lose. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but this perfectly kind of wrapped up. The, the review and now we can kind of look forward to the knockouts so where where do you want to start Ben? Let's start with the hosts let's start with you know your team South Africa against France in France South Africa win all over oh. no, no doubt I I've got all the confidence that we're going to do it I really do well I'm I'm do you know what? I'm not even saying this just to wind you up like I normally do. I actually think France are going to win this. I think, I'm shocked. <laughs> I think I'm not. I'm serious. Like I've said it. I thought they beat New Zealand. Like they're at home. Um, Dupont's probably going to come back half by on mm-hmm. man. Like this, it's going to be, it's going to be a good game. I, I think it's going to be close. Yeah, I hope so. That, that's all I. I think in these types of games, if South Africa were to lose, I'd rather they lose and it'd be really close. And and I think again, I just I'd rather France completely outclass us mm. rather than us not play well and we've got a lot of errors and we don't, you know, do things right. Um I'm sure there'll be some element in that for France when they lose, because South Africa are gonna win. And I just the reason why I think we're gonna win is we we're made for these big moments, right? And I think this we kind of forget that this squad is very similar to the squad that had we had in 2019 when we won when we won the World Cup. And again, there were some key players in that squad. There were also in the squad that went to the 2015 semi-final. And the players are Old. They have the ability to soak up the pressure in the big moments and win. And this France team is still relatively young. They've all performed at the top of their club levels, but you know this is their first time on the on the world stage. Um, so that all the pressure is on them in my eyes. 
because they are the host nation. There is a home game for them. The stadium's going to be packed out in blue. So I think South Africa have got, they'll, they'll be the underdogs. And that's where the South Africans like to be. You're the world champions. You can't claim underdogs. Like, Of course I can. Yeah, what do you mean? You no say we're the favourites for this game. No, you're not. But Exactly. <laughs> but like, you're not we're the underdogs. underdogs. <laughs> you're not underdogs. If we I, aren't the favourites, we've got to be the underdogs. Yeah, well, it's, it's close. I... <laughs> <laughs> I'll tell you why I think France is going to win. I think, I think their their team's more settled. They their starting team just because partly you know through injuries for South Africa, um, and also you know while it might be settled that Manny's starting, there's there's that little bit of doubt who might start, and you know mm. you have had quite a few changes to your squad, whereas. I think France know who their first 15 are going to be. Um, and I also just think with the crowd in Paris, it's not like, yeah. I, uh, they're just so good. Yeah, I was going to say, I just think that, I just think that they win. But I don't think it's going to be by much, maybe by two. I think it's going to come down and to the this, end. I, I agree. Because if you think about back to the, uh, autumn last year, and we played them again in Paris. The score was 30 to 26 to France. And that was where South Africa played 60 minutes with uh, 14 men. So I just think I'm really excited. It's going to be a corker of a game. Yeah. If you are, if you are not like doing surgery or life saving someone's life at the time of this game, um, you have to watch it. Yeah, uh, absolutely. And luckily, I finished my placement at five o'clock on Sunday. So I'll be able to get settled and get riled up for the game. Unbelievable. Yeah, late kickoff. There are no excuses. Yeah, absolutely. I think it's a little bit tough because like eight o'clock on a Sunday night seems a little bit too late. I feel like, you know, just coming like an hour earlier would just be a bit better for everybody. But you know, because if South Africa win, there's no way I'm going to go sleep straight after the game <laughs> after we do that. <laughs> and then I've got to be up, you know, the crack of dawn to, to go to the hospital. So, yeah, I know. I'm really looking forward to that game. I really am. Yeah. Where do you want to go next, Mike? What? Um, I think let's go, let's go Wales-Argentina. Mm. I... Immediate predictions. Immediate predictions. I think Argentina are going to win. Yeah, okay. I think they're growing right, into that. it. You think there's almost like an upward trajectory from them coming out of the pools? Yeah, and while Wales won and like we've been impressed, I think they were very lucky to beat Fiji. Um, I don't think they have particularly big performances against Portugal or against Georgia. Yeah. Um, really, so realistically, I'm saying they've had one big game. And I think Argentina are growing into this. I mean, they've not had a good, good record either. So, um, mm. but yeah, I could be very wrong. I also, I just want Argentina to win. I just, I just like the Argentinians. Yeah, I agree. You know what? I think I'm going to go against you. I think Wales are going to win. Yeah. I think Wales have this, I don't know how to describe it. They have this, toughness this pester ability where they just they just don't go away 
Like they, just, they don't easily roll over. And I think that is definitely showed, you know, in this pool, uh, you know, where they had to go up against Australia, Fiji, Georgia, and Portugal. So I think, yeah, I think I'm really, I don't know, Warren Gatlin just, he brings so much to this team. And yeah, I, I just think that they'll somehow pull a scrappy win over Argentina. I think this, again, will also be close, but I'm going to say something like 22-17 to Wales, I reckon. Oh, yeah. I reckon I reckon 25-14. I reckon it'll be a big win for Argentina. Whoa, okay. Michael okay. Checker's got to believe in. I love Michael Checker as well. <laughs> He's so good. Um. Okay. All right, where, where next, Mike? Uh, I think we've got to go England-Fiji. I think we'll uh, save the big one for the last. As a super uh, biased England fan, I'm saying England win. <laughs> yeah, you know what? I think, like we said, we talked about the draw, everyone being, you know, annoyed that it's so heavy on one side. I think all the quarterfinals are going to be cracking. Like, I know we're supposed to do fantasy now and we get, you know, more, we can pick four players per team and we got more of a budget. But I don't know which way to go, like, in, for my fantasy because all these games will be super close. They are all close. They are. But it sounds like you're stalling. Who do you think is going to win? Uh, <laughs> I have to say PG. There's no way I'll support him. <laughs> <laughs> You don't have to support them, Mike. You just tell me how you really feel. Uh, okay, here's, here's what I'm saying. We The classic phrase of my heart and head, right? Mm. So my head says England are going to win. Yeah. I think they just look a bit better than Fiji do at the moment. England have looked poor, but I don't think Fiji will be as much of a threat because we obviously we expected a massive bounce back from Fiji after the Georgia game going into Portugal and we just didn't see it. And, you know, Fiji now coming off this loss. So I don't know whether that's going to really, you know, put a bee in their bonnet and they're just going to have that bounce back that we were expecting, or are they just going to, are they just going to be a little bit more tired? You know, they played a pretty full shot team against, uh, against Portugal I think it's going to be really scrappy. So my heart want Fiji to win. For them to get through to a semi-final would just be amazing. And, you know, yeah. does that open the avenue for them to join the rugby championship? Who knows? Anyway, I think I'm going to go... I'm going to go 19-16 Fiji. Oh, big. Uh, yeah, yeah, 19-16 Fiji. Yeah. I think if I wasn't an England fan, I'd be supporting Fiji, but I don't think they're going to win. I think... I think England pre-World Cup where we lost to them uh, and England now are very different beasts because of confidence and because of like, I think the way we were being trained, like we were being over-trained before and we're kind of peaking fitness at the right time now, as well yeah. as kind of Fiji, that they seem to be on this like downward trajectory and whether that's, you know, from being away from home too long because like they have a very strong like, family culture which mm. um, which must be tough for them you know what I mean but yeah I don't know what it is but I think England are gonna gonna do it maybe maybe even by like 10 points 
Yeah, I think that's pretty fair. Uh, yeah, who knows what will happen? I, I do think the teams are very different to how I look the preseason pre for, sorry, pre-World Cup match. But obviously that game will have, you know, that will give Fiji a lot of confidence going into it. Mm. They know that they can beat you at Twickenham. So they should have the confidence to do it again. I mean, I'm going to that game, so I really hope they don't. I'm literally oh. going to be there. <laughs> oh, oh, man. Yeah. So that that obviously leaves us one more quarterfinal to talk about. Yeah, it does. Ireland versus New Zealand. What a, what a cracking game. Who do you think is going to win, Mike? I reckon Ireland have got this. I just think, I think Ireland look so polished at the moment that no matter how good New Zealand will be, like New Zealand are not the New Zealand of 2015, 2011. They just, for some reason, they just don't have, they just don't have that, that same fear, you know, in them anymore. And obviously, I'm writing them off at my own peril because I wouldn't be surprised if New Zealand also do win this because they are the All Blacks. They know how to win. A very similar argument that I gave to, for South Africa, I could give to New Zealand, you know, about how many experienced heads they've got, how many World Cups they've got under their belts. Um, but I don't know there's just they're just not as scary anymore. I just don't. So, but I, I think I think Ireland just have their number at the moment. Yeah, it's, it's a fair enough comment. Like all day up until now, I've been like, New Zealand are going to win. Um, Ireland bottle it in the quarters. Like New Zealand have <laughs> been growing since that loss. They've been like fuming. Um, you know, they, they've been deep in competitions before. But now you're asking me the question, I'm just like, that's Ireland. Ireland's going to win. Like they've <laughs> just been so good. They've just been absolutely clinical. Um, but yeah, I, I feel wrong saying not New Zealand, but I think it's gonna be Ireland. Well, that's the first one we've agreed on. I don't know. Look at this. I know. Who would have thought? Who would have thought? This is real growth. What 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 score are we gonna go with? I think if Ireland win, it's gonna be tight. I think if Ireland win, it'll be like low scoring, maybe like 15 12 or something. I think if mm. New Zealand win, it will be like something like 28, 25, you know, more, more points on the board. I think it depends on how the game goes. Yeah, yeah, I think I think this one is actually going to be a bit more... I think, I think even if Ireland win, I think there will be a high-scoring uh, game because I think... I don't think New Zealand's defence is as good as South Africa and I don't think... And I think New Zealand's attack is better than South Africa's attack, like particularly in like red zone efficiency. So by that measure, I think it's going to be a higher scoring game than Ireland South Africa was. So I'm going to go like I think I'm going to go 31 26 to Ireland. Hmm. Nah, that's big. I think that's pretty good, pretty good logic. Mm -hmm. But basically, tune into all of these games because they're all going to be close. They're all going to be exciting. 
it's just a great weekend for rugby. I know. So, yeah, definitely tune in. And, uh, yeah, feel free to shoot us your predictions and where you think we're wrong in ours because we'll love to hear it. Yeah, we do. We do. I love being wrong, um, which is lucky because it happens all the time. (laughs) (laughs) Yes, we go into other sports. Um, One sport we kind of mentioned a few times on the pod is F1. So... It would be rude to not start here with you know Max Max Verstappen, third championship in a row. It's absolutely massive for him. Like it's pretty early to be finishing finishing top as well. So congrats, he's he's really just dominated this year. Yeah, I'm I'm happy. Well, I'm not happy for him. It's but you just got to applaud <laughs> the how skillful he is because he has displayed absolute dominance and. Yeah, you just it, it, the crazy stat that I saw um, was you know he's won his so this is his third championship in a row, so mm. he's won three championships since Hamilton has won his last race, which is just mm. absolutely disgusting. Because you think back to man, was it? It must have been twenty twenty. Uh, that last race in is it Azerbaijan? No, that might be the beginning. Abu Dhabi. Oh. I can't. All I remember is robbery. I'd like. I'm, it it <laughs> wasn't back a long way, but <laughs> but you know, ever since then, that contentious moment, he's just put the you know put any doubt to the side, and he's been the best driver in the best car. You know, definitely for the past three years. Um, yeah. And actually, speaking of Hamilton, there was obviously he went out early in the race uh, on yeah. Sunday because he crashed with. George Russell's teammate. Um, But, you know, he then realised, he thought it was, it wasn't his fault, but then he, he made a a public apology and he actually went to, I saw a clip where he went over to George Russell, like the night after, and like said, hey, look, nah, it was definitely my fault. I apologise. Let's go again. Yeah, respect to it, because like, I, I don't know what it is, but particularly in, F1, you get a lot of like, no, I was right. Um, people make their decision and then they stick with it. So mm. fair play. Uh, and Hamilton has been pretty guilty of that in the past. Like he's been wrong a few times and just been like that. I'm backing myself to the death. Yeah, so. no, fair, fair play to him. And uh, yes, yeah, so now I think the race goes to Austin, Texas this weekend. So I think it's it's almost a little bit annoying now that somebody's won the championship so early because. You know, what are they almost playing for now? Well, you know, sorry, playing. What are they racing for now? Yeah, what they should do now is just get a random dude off the street and put him in the car just to show <laughs> how much better they are. Like, he's won the championship. Like, it doesn't matter. Get Dave from Dave from down the pub, put him in the Red Bull, and we'll go. You'd hope he'd have, like, the best life insurance ever because no one is going to pay for that. <laughs> Oh, hey, he wouldn't need to he'd be so slow off the line like their reactions are so quick he'd be like nowhere near anyone yeah uh, I, I don't know how many people would actually have the bottle to do that it would be so scary because also they're they're driving at like what 300 kilometers an hour like if a random bloke gets up they're not going to sustain the g-force of the turns mm. they are literally they'll probably just go around you know thinking it's the speed limit of 70 miles and just get they probably won't even finish half the number of laps that the f1 drivers do 
That's true. That's true. But like, if you, you know, if you gave them a go karting session first, like, I reckon they'd definitely be up for it. <laughs> you know what I mean? You, you don't have to be good. You just have to get in the car and go. So. <laughs> Oh dear. Yeah, may maybe you're right. Maybe you're right. Um, I think also we should probably uh talk about there was the world gymnastic championships that happened this weekend. And I, I must admit I didn't watch any of this, but I saw some of it in the news. And we definitely have to celebrate Simone Biles for she's now become the most decorated gymnast. Uh, of all time and that's male and female because so she has a total of 34 medals and that's across the world championships and olympics which is just incredible yeah ridiculous like she is she's got to be the goat on like gymnastics go yeah i mean it's undisputed now yeah I, I mean and she missed you know the olympics in tokyo that could be more yeah you know He's unbelievable. So, yeah, fair play. Just fair play. She's ridiculous. And, you know, we, you kind of think about, when you think about, like, goats of sport, right, and we all, well, maybe not everybody, but um, there was obviously a phase during everybody's, well, a lot of men's um, school where they were, like, they had, like, a, a ball of scrunched-up paper and they would shoot for... <sighs> the basket and shot Kobe or Jordan, depending on what area you're from. Uh, but, you know, those, the best of the best, you know, they last, they have this lasting impression on the sport. Mm -hmm. um, and the same can now go for Simone Biles because she, there is a, a, a particular vault maneuver, which used to be called the Yurchenko double pike. And, this by uh, Simone Biles was the first person to actually do it in competition. So now they've actually named it the Biles two, because apparently there's another gymnastic move that's already been named after her. So she's <laughs> got two named after, which is just insane. To be fair, you know, it's just a bit cleaner than the Chenko double pike, isn't it? Uh, like just the Biles two. Oh. <laughs> so good. Um, What other sport do you want to talk about then? I mean, like, when in London, let's talk about the NFL. Like, you know, Bills Jags was in London and, you know, obviously, as it always is, packed out and great game from the looks of it. Big surprise as, you know, Bills are one of the best teams. But, yeah, the uh, Jags came in hot. Yeah, so I managed to watch this, uh, particularly the second half of this game. And... um. Obviously, the Bills had just come off beating Miami, who obviously... So Miami had the record 70-20 win, whatever. And then the following week, they lost 40-20 to to the Bills. So Bills are feeling hot about themselves. Then they come to the Jags in London, and then they lose. And this game was so impressive, right? Because so uh, Calvin Ridley and Travis Etienne... So Cameron Ridley is a wide receiver and Travis Etienne is the running back. Both of them had such great games and Trevor Lawrence just commanded the, the ball so well and just gave them opportunities to win. And I, I forget the score, but it was uh, Travis Etienne. They were basically like trying to run down the clock like in the fourth quarter. 
but then he just mm. broke free and just ran for a touchdown. I don't think he was really expecting it. And then the commentator's like, yeah, the game's over. You know, Jags win, pretty much. There's probably about three, maybe four minutes left on the clock. The very next drive, so it's a touchback. So the Bills start at 25. Um, uh, Josh Allen throws like a 70-yard throw so that they they end on like the the Jags 10 and then there's two more plays and they've scored. It was just like, it was just so amazing how quickly the Bills were just able to, you know, tune out the noise of the Jags, you know, saying that they've won and they could, you know, put themselves in a position to win the game. Yeah. Next year, Mike, we've got to go. Oh, like, I'm so key. I'm so God, the uh, unreal because... Like, do you know the atmosphere just looks unbelievable? They're always packed, and you know, why would we not go? Yeah, and I also find it really funny because, uh, obviously, there's only like a select few games that come over to the uh, to London, so you just see like anybody that goes to the game, they'll just wear the team that they support, they won't be like wearing the merch of the teams that are playing, they just because they don't, you know, their team doesn't come around often enough, but. Yeah, no, I'm definitely keen to to go next year. That'll be so good. Mm. Um, but actually, I thought whilst I was watching the NFL, uh, you know, I saw Travis Etienne go off, right? And I thought he had such an incredible game. And I kind of thought to myself, why don't NFL games slash any like American sports have man of the matches? Because mm. they you almost you know, you've obviously got like the MVP in the NBA. And in the NFL and finals MVP uh, for both sports, but they don't have regular man of the matches. And it's very common, you know, here with cricket, with rugby, with football, you know, just pretty much every sport will have a man of the match. But it just, it kind of surprised me. And I'm, I'm keen to hear your thoughts about it because American sports, they definitely idolize individuals within teams and a lot of the way that the sport is advertised is through individuals. So this would be a, an additional way to kind of highlight those individuals, but they don't. What, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think it's weird. I think I think partly it's probably just because like, there's really only a few positions that can win it, uh, like each game. So, you know, you're never giving your centre the MVP or uh, the... Really? Yeah, so absolute robbery for centres, you know, out there. Um, but also, like, I think it is weird, as you say, that they do it in the final. Like, you get all the way to the Super Bowl. Why have you got a Super Bowl MVP? Mm-hmm. It's, it's a bit rogue. Um, what, do, what do you think? Why do you think? I think for the NBA, for example, I could potentially understand it because you could play three games within a matter of, like 10, 11 days, you know, like they, they play, their schedule is so packed. So maybe they just, they would just be too many. And because obviously, yeah, I don't know. But for NFL, yeah, I, I kind of like your point where you know that, you know, it's more likely your defense, uh, sorry, your like offensive skill positions, like your wide receivers or your running backs. Um, or your quarterback, because everything kind of has to go through him. But I think it would be a great way to introduce, you know, if they, because obviously that's where everybody's eyes go to. 
But if your center has had a great game and he's the one that's like blocked really well to allow the running back to go through the gap for the touchdown, then why not highlight that more to the public so they get a better understanding of the game and the ins and outs, like say on the, you know, at the line of scrimmage, you know, I just think it'd be a really good thing for them to introduce. Yeah, I think you're probably right. I think it's like when we get to end of year, the MVP overall, it literally just becomes like a quarterback award. And like, yeah. like originally it was meant to be the best player no matter what position. And like, I imagine it might start out with like the best of intentions, but it might just end up being like, literally end up being like quarterback, wide receiver, running back, or like cornerback. Well, I guess that's quite a lot of people now we're getting into it. Yeah. Or like the end, yeah. But yeah, I don't know. You know, because now I think about it, you see the the game ball normally gets presented to the man of the match, like in the locker room. But mm. you know, I don't understand why it isn't made more public. You know, why does it have to be like within the team to celebrate it? I mean, they can still do that, but I, I don't see, I don't think it detracts from the team's effort for the victory if they do it, if they have like a man of the match. Yeah, that's true. I. Cannot say question mark. Well, maybe they maybe they'll just have a tendency to give it to the quarterback so often, like they do with the MVP. Maybe that's why mm. they don't want to do it. I don't know. Um, if anybody else has any thoughts, I'd be really interested to see what they think. Yeah, and get right in your strongly worded emails because this is something we want to see. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, what about looking forward to the weekend? Obviously, we've got uh, a lot of the rugby happening. Um, what else do you think we should kind of, uh, you know, inform the viewers to or the listeners to, to watch? Well, Mike, I know you want to talk about the PGA. I'll let you do it. I can see it in your eyes. Yeah, I, so the only thing I kind of want to mention because like the main, like all the events, like the majors are all finished now until like April time. Um, but Lexi Thompson. Uh, who was who featured in the riot in the Solheim Cup uh, in the American team? She's now uh, got the opportunity to play in the PJ tournament um, this weekend. Uh, she got a sponsored spot, um, which is kind of where people uh, that might not have normally made the cut they get invited to come play. And this isn't the first time a female has actually played in the PJ tournament. I think it's happened like seven or so times in history. Um, but the last time it happened was in 2018. So, yeah, we wish her the, all the best and um, hopefully she can play well. Yeah, come on, Lexi, let's do it. Yeah, absolutely. Um, how about you, Ben? What else do you think you might be able to watch this weekend? Well, I mean, Mike, we, we have said there's tons of rugby. Like We've mentioned all the quarterfinals. Definitely go watch them. Mm-hmm. But I mean, like in the women's game, the WXV, which we've kind of mentioned before, is, is starting this week. So there's three tiers, and tier two and three are kicking off. Yep. And um, yeah, go go watch it. I, I agree. I mean, on Friday night, so it kicks off Friday, I'm pretty sure. And so that's the tier two and tier three, like you said. But you know, if there are any Scottish fans that are just, you know, wanting to support their nation's rugby team again, then what a better way to get some revenge because Scotland yeah. go up against South Africa yet again. I know. Come on, the girls. I am supporting Scotland. 
Till I die. <laughs> Let's do it. Yeah, I mean, I'm really excited. The, this this competition is so promising. We've got tier one kicking off the following weekend. Um, but I mean, we we mentioned just before we started the call, Ben, hey, how it's so great because in the tier three, you've got Fiji going up against Colombia and you've also got Ireland going up against Kazakhstan. And Kazakhstan and Colombia are not two nations that you would, you know, that would jump to mind in terms of rugby. And yeah. particularly women's rugby that's, you know, on the upcoming, you know, it isn't, hasn't been around as long as the men's game. So it's absolutely fantastic to see representation from these countries. Yeah, especially like with promotion relegation, like it's it's going to be really interesting to see how this whole world league pans out. And and if and if it's something that might work for the men going forward, because there's all this talk about the men's calendar, the women have got it sorted, so... Yeah, the women yeah, know what they're doing. Great to see it in action. Yeah, look at this, you know, and yeah, see how it goes. And I think what's so good about it as well, you know, like you said, with the promotion and relegation, let's say Colombia and Kazakhstan, if they are good and they, you know, they can always be rewarded for their good performance and then they get to go up against bigger teams and then that means, you know, potentially more funding for them, which they can then put back into their programmes and it just makes so much sense. And I feel like it's something that uh, the men game is is missing. And it's something that you'd think about like for Portugal and Romania and, you know, these teams that have caught our eyes, they don't have. So I really hope that, yeah, these teams can uh, take this opportunity and continue to grow. 100%, 100%. So, yeah, the, I mean, as you mentioned, Scotland, South Africa, in tier two, we've also got Japan, Italy. Mm-hmm. And then in, in tier three, Fiji, Colombia, as you said, now that Kazakhstan, it's, uh, yeah, it's going to be a good one. Unbelievable. I think we were spoiled for a sport last weekend. We're, and by the sounds of it, it sounds like we're spoiled again this weekend. I know, I know. And for all of those that just really can't get enough, the Premiership rugby is also kicking off. Oh, even um, more rugby. I know both your team and my team like Sale Sharks versus Northampton Saints playing. So, you know, everyone carry on and, and root Northampton for that one. Um, <laughs> yeah, definitely not. Uh, <laughs> and it, yeah, we didn't even really mention it, but we've it's it's a little bit sad to see the Scotland players that have been kicked out of the World Cup have gone back home to their clubs, uh, which has just yeah, not been incredible to see. Um, but oh, life's tough. Life's tough. Life is tough. Also, all of the Argentinians, sorry, Australians, not Argentinians, Australians have been sent back. So, yeah, look out for your favorite Aussies. <laughs> yeah. Um, but that about wraps up for for, uh, for us this week, guys. So, yeah, thank you very much for listening. Um, we hope you enjoyed, and we hope you have a great weekend watching some sport. Yeah, see you guys.